The liabilities are things to be aware of. The superpower of the five, especially in the workplace, is their ability to be self-sufficient, autonomous, and independent. Sixes are driven by safety. If I only rely on my superpower all the time, there is the tendency it can become a liability. When we look at the sixes, we're going to see things like they're good problem solvers who may become problem seekers. Hey, Katie. Hey, Alan. How are you? I am doing well. Yourself? Good. Yeah. Sun is shining and it's just good for the soul sometimes. I know after having a few days a while back of just dreariness, I can certainly feel the effects of it. And we often talk about being self-aware and just things I began to notice about myself physically, mentally. So yes, I'm glad that the sun is out and I'm not sure what season we're in, but whatever it is right now, I like it. Well, most of our listeners know we're at both in Oklahoma. And if you don't like the weather, just wait a few hours and it could change. That's exactly right. I'm excited. Variety is the spice of life, right? That's, that is right. Well, I am excited about today's episode, wrapping up the liabilities and superpowers trilogy, if you will, of the last kind of series. And so if we're looking at the head triad, Alan, what does that mean? Who are we looking at today? So we are today speaking specifically to the type five, six, and seven. We've talked about that gut, that action center triad. We've talked about the heart triad. And so, as you said, in the trilogy, we're going to tackle the head triad today. So I'm hoping as we get into this, we'll maybe identify and, and uncover some things about our five, sixes, and sevens, and also that, that part of our personality. That we hadn't thought about before. So that's my challenge to us today. Well, it's a great point. And to continue that, we also want to have all of our listeners who the five, six, seven may not resonate with. How can I appreciate those types more? And in the context of our, our workplace, as we're serving our patients, how can we utilize the five, six, and seven in our day to day? Because as we'll see, they bring some incredible things to the workplace, to the family, to the community. And so we're going to tie that thread of application throughout. Awesome. Well, I also think may, it might be helpful to, I mentioned we're in this series of liabilities and superpowers. It might be helpful, especially if you just picked up on this episode to have us talk a little bit first about what it means, to, like, what do we mean by liability and what do we mean by superpower? So, Alan, could you just give us a flyby at 30,000 feet of what we mean by that? Yeah, and it, it's helpful, I think, for us to, to circle back to this because when, when someone hears the term liabilities, I know for me, I can feel myself get tense in my body or, oh, and what we're talking about here are not negatives bad things, things that you should fix, but being aware these could be some blind spots. This could be some broccoli in our teeth, so to speak, that could, not saying will, could get in the way of serving my patients and, and creating a healthier culture, a workplace, a healthier cu culture at home. So the liabilities are things to, to be aware of. What we are not saying is that all of you as a type five have all these liabilities. 
But we're going to ask each of us, as we describe these types, do any of those resonate? Are those things that maybe I've noticed in the people I work with because of the and in the superpower? What are those amazing things that I bring each and every day? And I know my tendency can be to focus so much on the liabilities that the superpowers is an afterthought and gets dismissed. That is not our point today. Yes, we're going to tackle these together. It's the and, but we really want to highlight and celebrate those wonderful things that each of us bring. And as we'll see with the head triad, there are wonderful things they bring. Mm, Yes, they are. We're going to be talking about, I love all the numbers, but as a one who in health goes to seven, I'm super excited to see what we might uncover today with that particular number. But all right. Do we want to just, do we want to start with superpowers and then go to liabilities or or what? Let's do that. And, and Katie, which ones do you want? You mentioned the seven. I don't want to be greedy. You like, you got the seven in you too. You can do the five, six, and seven if you want. Our listeners might appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll start with five. You can take six and we'll share seven. How does that sound for a, for a good negotiation? It's funny, Alan, for me, I don't know if you do this, but whenever I talk about the different Enneagram numbers, I generally have someone in my mind who I'm close with who is predominantly motivated by this number. And so I think it'll be interesting to me today to look through the lens of the five first. I don't know a lot of folks who identify with five, but the one that I do, I'll be curious to see if this resonates. We know that with the five, that they really like to gather and evaluate information, which I think we even talked about this as an example on a, on the a previous episode about fives. Maybe you had a family member who like read an entire user manual for a car or something like that. I had an example of a friend who had read every parenting book out there. These are your people to go to when you want information because they just can, they have this amazing capacity to consume information and process it that like, I just, I do not have. Yeah, it it is that, that hunger for knowledge, wanting to learn more. So this isn't surface level. This is to great depth. And, and not again, just casual, but really understanding. Uh, so you can see in the workplace, think about healthcare, think about how fast it changes, regardless of profession, the depth and understanding the new therapies, the new medications, uh, new treatment guidelines. This is where the five is going to really dive in. And you can see that that repository of information is really valuable for Absolutely. everyone. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of to build on that, what I think is really a superpower of the five, especially in the workplace, is their ability to be self-sufficient, autonomous, and independent. As As a leader, as someone who supervises other people, I love this. I can give a five something to do, and they will do it well, and they will do it to the best of their ability and somewhat independently. And I think as a team, it's really helpful for us to be able to count on our teammates to be self-sufficient. And then I'd also add that a favorite thing that I think F5 brings to the workplace that's so helpful. I mean, you can work without it, but having a five who is humble, but also self-deprecating just kind of brings that 
realness to their persona and to the team. And as someone who really values authenticity, that really speaks to me in knowing that, yes, they take themselves very seriously, but also they can have times where they don't. Yeah, I'm going to piggyback on that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting talking about the five and six. I have family members who are fives and sixes. And what you just said about that self-deprecating uh, ability, it's done in the right moment in the right way. And I, there's a family member of mine who very much type five, very, very reserved, so more of the introversion of type five, um, and will say things, but not just all the time talkative, but at that right moment, will say that joke that lands. And it's not something that they do regularly, but it's like the right moment at the right time. And it really does break kind of tension. It causes that laughter, which we all need plenty of. And it really is a superpower because, as I mentioned, this is not a stand-up comic, but it's just in those moments saying that right thing that's just hilarious uh, really does lighten the mood. Anything else with fives for superpowers before we go on to six? Fives are very objective in nature. And so data-driven facts, details are very, very important to, to a five. And so because they love information, they're pouring into information. Competency is very, very high for a five. And they want to always appear competent. And in the workplace, that matters because it's important to bring data and facts to the type five because they are going to look at things through a very objective lens. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, later. So one of the reasons we're talking about all the different types is I may come at this from a different lens and different perspective, as we've talked about perspectives. I may try to come at a conversation without data or more of the subjective nature. Okay, that, that's good, that's helpful. But what does the person or persons on the other side of me need? For a type five, they are going to want the objective data, facts, nuts and bolts. And so that's important for me to be aware of when we talk about improving communication in the workplace. We first hold that mirror up. What does it look like to be on the other side of me? What are my tendencies and how I communicate? And that's important. What, are the, what is the best way to connect and communicate with the person or persons on the other side of me? And the one last thing I'll say on this, you may not know, and we're not encouraging all of you to, to type or try to figure out what types every person is, but I know from my own experience as someone who loves to dream and think big with lots of language and storytelling, that if the person on the other side of me seems to be eyes glazed over or deer in the headlights, that is an indicator to me, ooh, you know what? I might want to be more succinct. I might want to include some data, some facts, some bullet points, because I want to make sure in how I communicate that it is, it's resonating and connecting with the person on the other side of me. That makes sense. All right. So shifting into the type six. And so as a type nine as well, I can find myself going to the type six quite a bit. Uh, let me hit some of the highlights of our, of our type six. Sixes are driven by safety and are really long for safety for themselves 
safety for others. And so you can see immediately a superpower here is the six's ability to assess a situation, a workplace. Are our people safe? Do we have safety policies, procedures, mechanisms in place? You can see, especially in today's day and time, how valuable that is. And they have a fine-tuned lens for this. They will be able to detect things that others wouldn't have even thought about. So sixes are incredibly valuable to get a sense of what are our safety procedures? Does everyone feel safe? What would we do in case of fill in the blank? So tremendous uh, gift that they bring. They're also problem solvers. And so they have the ability to break down complex problems into bite-sized pieces, into parts, and solving those um, as they go. Because sixes are very much, again, about getting things done, what might be some challenges, what might be some problems um, that we have. And because they are insightful and may find things that others don't, they really do a good job of asking questions clarifying questions. Okay, so tell me about this, or I noticed that we do X. Could we consider Y? So listening to a six and their ability to be very aware is a very, very important um, insight for any and all of us. They also are oftentimes called loyalist. So they are, as the term implies, very loyal, whether they're employees, friends, family members, and this is built on trust. Sixes don't immediately go there. This is something that can take some time. But when trust is there, they will go above and beyond uh, for that individual or individuals. And having some six members in my family, I do see this, a willingness to drop everything. What do you need? A, a desire to serve. Again, in the workplace, the value of having these individuals, they are great team players. Gosh, you know, one of my core values is reliability. I just think that ties in, so, like I could see myself really navigating towards a six, especially if they're expressing that superpower. I could see myself being drawn to that, and especially in the workplace. Okay. What I love about the superpowers of the seven in the workplace is their ability to maintain optimism and be positive. Now, this comes from almost, I think, my lack of ability to remain optimistic. I've grown in that, definitely. But I used to, my goodness, be not even the glass half empty, but like the glass is like is empty kind of a person. And so I think having that team, as long as you're not annoyed with them <laughs> when they're being an optimist and trying to be positive, because you can, you know, maintain safe distance there. I think that's huge. Yeah, the sevens full of life uh, can lighten the mood. And you think about in, in our workplaces as healthcare professionals, it's a serious environment and rightfully so. But sevens have an ability to lighten a mood. I'm thinking of a, a dear friend of mine who's a seven and she would regularly bring cookies with each person's name on a cookie as a, just a way of like, we're just, we're going to talk about celebrating in just a second, but just to say, I appreciate you, not because of a birthday, not because of an anniversary, just because, 
And that brings so much light and joy into what can be a very dark, difficult place in the healthcare. And that's just natural for her. And because of that energy and enthusiasm, it's contagious. You know, as a nutrition scientist, it makes me think we need to do some type of study on putting your name on a cookie and the impact. I think there might be something there. <laughs> Man, wish I worked with someone who brought me cookies with my name on it. Okay, what else about sevens? Um, what about just their creativity and their um, like being imaginative and being almost even playful? I mean, when it's appropriate. In the workplace, um, I think kind of goes hand in hand with that as far as it being a, truly a superpower because, like you said, this is hard work. This can be stressful work. And so very often we need team members who can really just help us kind of get out of our heads a little. Absolutely. And they do this because they love to dream about what could, you know, we have seen in, in some of the types and even when we talk about uh, some of the five voices of being a present-oriented or future-oriented voice. And this also ties, ties into Myers-Briggs. Sevens love to dream. Tell me what could be. And because they're so relational, they're wanting others to come along as well. And that enthusiasm is so contagious. Again, ooh, you are raising money for breast cancer research. Oh, I want to be a part of your team. I mean, they have the ability to really draw people in that enthusiasm. So taking it back to the workplace, that ability of, of sevens to see how can we improve the quality of care for our patients? What might be a new service or the way we deliver this? Or can we add a little bit more of the lightness to a very serious environment? You can see how contagious that can be, not only for your staff, but for the patients as well. I also think about sevens and their ability in the workplace to celebrate success. This is something that you've taught me. Um, and I think it's a little bit more natural to the seven. And celebrating success, not just in the team, but also with their patients as well in ways that like maybe the rest of us wouldn't always think to do. And they're great teachers at how to celebrate. I know for me as that type one, well, I would celebrate, but I don't know how to do it. And if it's not perfect, I'm not going to do it. Which I know, Katie, you're just not, not tracking at all with what I'm saying. That makes the one sound a little stiff. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to party unless I do it perfectly. Man. See, because I want that to be done so well, and it's so unfamiliar, I don't even know what to do. For sevens, it's so natural. They're great teachers in this. Now, a lot of it is their unconscious competence. I mean, they just do it and they do it so well. But observe a seven and notice some of the things that they do. That's a great learning for all of us, especially myself, who tends to not celebrate myself. Absolutely. And I think that gets to the root of why it's so important for us to recognize the different superpowers and the different motivations behind each of these numbers. Because even just listening to you talk and hearing about you say, you know, this is a superpower seven, but this is what it might look like in a one, I think is really illuminating. And, and I appreciate you bringing that up, Katie, because these superpowers are not simply reserved for only a one particular type. It may be more natural for a type 
but certainly we have the ability to tap into that and it may look a little bit different, but certainly, I mean, as we've talked about these types today, all of us can spend more time objectively trying to focus on, I might, I might see more of what the data or what's something new I can learn is that type five as a six, I can really observe my surroundings, my environment. Do I feel safe? Does everyone feel safe? Do we have safety, security built in to what we do? And in the seven, just as an example, like you said, Katie, how can I celebrate myself? How can I celebrate others today in maybe a way that's not expected, meaning birthdays, certainly. Okay. But it could be, we just appreciate our team for being our team. These are all areas of which we can all grow, whether that's natural for us or not. One other thing about the sevens is that they have lots of energy and they're very fast paced. So they're moving. They've got lots of energy. And I say all that because to some who may not have that same motivator, may not demonstrate it the same way. This is where a workplace in particular, we want to be careful. What do I mean by that? If I'm continually squelching the enthusiasm, the passion, the pace of a seven or sevens on my team, that will ultimately be detrimental because they bring so many things to this that, you know what, we may need to have a little more energy in our workplace. And, but if my tendency is to squelch that, no, we don't need that ever you could see that you're beginning to really smother those things that motivate. I'm just using seven as an example. So we, we do that self-examination. Okay, maybe my pace is not the same, but are there areas where I need to have more pace, more energy, being more upbeat? And I can learn a lot in this case from a seven. Absolutely. I think that's a great point. So Alan, what happens when superpowers get the point where they're almost liabilities what is i feel like this is the dun 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 even though you did say at the beginning that liability doesn't mean bad i think the 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 one in me is like black and white either it's a superpower or it's a liability but we we can embrace the ambiguity right absolutely i'm trying to think of the theme song for for the shift here and i don't know if it's lionel richie still yeah I don't think so. I think that's a little too upbeat. I think we need something with a little more strings, like a little more violin or something. I don't know. Absolutely. But to Katie's point, what can be a superpower can turn into a liability. And what do I mean by that? If I rely on that superpower all the time, and this could be any type, every type. So as we get into these, keep in mind that if I only rely on my superpower all the time, there is the tendency it can become a liability. Liabilities can also be blind spots, broccoli in our teeth. It's again why we've said so many times that we need others because others can truly see our face. We hold the mirror up, absolutely. But there are things others can see in us, superpowers and liabilities. And so it's really valuable to have that around us. So yeah, let's let's shift into to the five. And so for fives, because that hunger and thirst for knowledge, which is great, there can be the, the mindset of, I can never learn enough. And I have to know everything. And if I don't, 
I'm failing myself. I'm failing my team. I may feel like I'm the one on the team who has to know all the answers around a certain thing. Think about the pressure in today's day and time with information overload. If I believe that I have to know all the answers, you can see where this hunger and thirst for knowledge begins to become a liability because I have to consume more information. And this can lead to really delaying decisions. I need more information. I've got to research that more. And you can see that at some point in time, we have to make a decision. For fives in that space, it could be, but I don't want to make the wrong decision. I need more information. And you could see where that could go on and on and on. So for fives, they have to recognize, I may not know everything. I might not have researched every possible angle. I have to be okay with that. And others can help in this process. As Katie mentioned, fives are very autonomous and very independent. Wonderful thing, self-starters. She talked about that. But what can happen is that if I feel like I have to know everything and do everything, I will then really push back against help or collaboration or, no, no, this is my job, my responsibility. And fives can isolate and withdraw. Think about that on your team. If any member isolates, withdraws, the team will not be as strong um, as it was. So fives can really take that as personal. I have to know everything. I have to try harder. I have to work harder. And you could see where that could lead. You know, that really resonates with me, Alan, because um, as the one, sometimes I can procrastinate things because they're not perfect. So it's kind of just a difference the motivation. Um, and so this was like nails on a chalkboard. Um, even when you said the five might say, I don't have enough information. It's it's not going to be good enough. I'm like, oh, that's the narrative that the one can get stuck in sometimes when they're seeking so much perfection. So I think even if you're not a five, you could probably think through a scenario in your own type where you can go, yeah, that really, I can see how that would, would be a, a pain point for me. And And, and this is why it's so helpful for us to understand where those those tendencies and those motivators can lead each of us and 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 recognize that because what can happen also to to piggyback on, on what Katie just said is that because I have to know everything and I have to have all the information, I can also really reduce, minimize, or push away the relational connectivity. Think about this as a healthcare professional. I have to be all the information and I don't have time to connect with my patients or connect with the people I work with. We know that there's relational and transactional and they're both important, but think about that patient who is scared. They've been recently diagnosed with um, a disease state and all that they are getting potentially is information overload. And this is something in, in colleges of pharmacy that we, we talk about in communication is that, okay, student pharmacist, pharmacist, you have all this great information, but are you connecting with your patients or are you just opening up the fire hydrant of information? And so this is where the relational and that transactional come into play. Fives have to be careful because in that thirst and desire for knowledge, 
people can be pushed aside, that relational connectivity be minimized. Another thing that fives can struggle with is dismissing anything that's not hard, cold data. They're driven by data, and that matters. And we know as healthcare professionals, data matters. But in that, there can be an inability to appreciate anything else, meaning the nuance, kind of that feel that some of us have, the heart, the emotion, and how we make decisions. Some of us sometimes lead with that too. If fives get real rigid in that, they can push it all aside. And it's only about the hardcore empirical objective data. And you see where that can miss the big picture because there are other things that can contribute that may not be hard and fast data. And this can also minimize the contributions of those on my team. That's, that's really, I can see how that could really be, I don't want to say detrimental, but not help you make progress. We talked about the self-deprecation earlier. And, and there could be a time and place, you know, joke or something to lighten the mood. But what can happen is that if I just continually do that, do that, and do that, I might also begin doing that to others. And, and this can really then take on, is that person really joking? Are, are they trying to be humorous or is there something more to it in how they're, they're communicating? And, and so... For fives, we talk about that humility that Katie mentioned, which is great, but there can come into a false humility here, even to the point, well, I don't know anything. I, I'm just not very smart. I've seen fives who were brilliant because they knew they didn't know everything, which none of us do. And the more you study, right, the more you recognize I don't know everything, would internalize that so much to the point where, well, I don't have anything to add. I don't know anything. I just don't have the knowledge, whatever. And you can see that it becomes a false humility, a, a self-deprecating, not in a humorous, lighter way, but minimizing my credibility. Think about this with other healthcare professionals. And I've seen pharmacists do this with physicians. Oh, I don't know anything. No, I, I don't. When in fact they do. And so it's a fine line between the arrogance, right? I know everything. You don't know anything. Don't go there but I can go the other direction. Well, because I don't know every single feature on my car, I don't know anything. I, I'm just not very smart. And you see that, no, that's not where we're, we're headed either. Any thoughts about the five, any of the liabilities or things that, that you've... No, I'm going to be perfectly honest. <laughs> I am moving on to the six because I'm a little bit uncomfortable about some of the things I see listed in the six because... So six is my, is very high for me. I don't know if that's a one thing or if that's just a me thing. But when we look at the sixes, we're going to see things like they're good problem solvers who may become problem seekers. This makes me want to like exit stage left because I see that. And I see that almost in the one as well in the sense of, or maybe it's the healthcare professional in me. I mean, I am trained to look for problems, right? And so then, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe the one calls them imperfections and the six calls them problems. But nonetheless, I do think there's there's something to this where um, um, start inserting them into, you know, finding these problems. And, and that's hard because that's going to be exhaustive on them, right? And quite honestly, 
let's be honest, it's exhausting for the rest of the team as well. We, we talk about with sixes and, and sixes is high for me as well, of, of the committee in one's head. And, and this is this committee that's meeting continuously. And, and often for me, it's here are all the things that could go wrong. And we're talking safety here, but at such a point where it's such a remote possibility that it does become more of the, I'm just seeking to find more problems that aren't there. And this committee is constantly going and, and they have an ability to find any and all possible ways that things could go wrong. And, and often it is from a, a safety perspective. And so it can be incredibly exhausting and it, it can rob me of peace and contentment because, well, things are fine now, but what about X, Y, Z and, and off, off we go. And so that ability that in health is to see here, here's some potential areas that we need to address from a safety perspective, go off the rails to the thousands of ways that something could go wrong. And that is just, again, it's exhausting. And what I've noticed in myself is that that will be conveyed to others and it can bring on some fear and some anxiety because I can't contain it myself. I mean, as someone who doesn't tend that, I don't know, maybe I missed part of the six, but I don't tend to the, like think of everything that could go wrong. But I will tell you if it's suggested to me from a six, I'm like, oh my gosh, I never, you like, I never thought about it. And now I can't unthink it. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All six have a problem being so rigid because they're just really precise and they pay attention to the process. I really can appreciate that as a one, but it can almost be to the point of rigidity, which can be really frustrating, especially, I mean, which is interesting because I think the seven, you know, you're in the same triad, but I can't imagine a rigid six and a really exuberant seven. Absolutely. And I think what can bring this on even more is distrust. If I don't trust you, maybe as my boss or as my neighbor, whatever it might be, then it really does tend to go in self-preservation. I'm protecting my own safety and, and the rigidity can come in. No, I'm going to do it this way. And so this is where, again, uh, very, very important for sixes to, to recognize and not read misintent. Uh, just you're trying to harm me. I mean, we can read so much into things regardless of type. Uh, sixes have to be very aware. Okay, is this coming from a place of health? Like, really, there's been trust that's been broken? Or am I imagining and inserting? Because the committee in my head can find all the things wrong. It can find all the things wrong with you. And so I, can, I could be making a lot of these things up. And in that, then it forms my opinion of you. And so then I began to withdraw self-preservation. I don't trust you. And then for me, that usually leads to rigidity. Yeah. Okay. What else about, what else about the six? We talked about the, the committee in, in one's head. And I think the other thing that uh, is really important is the analysis paralysis that you talked about earlier, Katie, uh, and I think any type can have this. Sixes, uh, I think in particular, because they are about problem solving. But if I think about all the possible things that could go wrong, it could keep me from making a decision. Yes. 
Yeah. And that's a little bit of the rigidity. It's a little bit of the community in one's head, but you can see in the workplace, this could be hard when we have to make decisions and things move quickly. And, but I, but I'm, I'm stuck. So for the type five, I need more information. I can't make a decision. We've talked about that with, with the six here, are all the things that could go wrong. And I'm not sure. And I'm not sure. Again, we have to make a decision. And so you could see where this could be very detrimental in the workplace in like getting things done or moving things forward. Can you have too much fun at work? <laughs> I think the answer is yes. Or seven tries too hard to just make everything okay. When I think about the seven, I think about someone who really likes to avoid pain and pain from seeing other people struggle. I think they try to avoid it at all costs. Yeah. And this is the reframing. And, and I, we, I don't know if we mentioned it earlier. One of the, the superpowers of that seven is taking kind of the negativity, reframing it in a very positive light which is phenomenal. But think about if I reframe everything in myself and in those around me, to Katie's point, I, I run from the difficulty, the pain. I want to avoid it. So guess what? I'm going to something else. I don't want to deal with that, oh, that tough stuff or the stuff where I can't be all fun and, and energy and all of that. But I don't like that place. So I, I'm going to reframe it, avoid and, and do something else. But that issue doesn't get resolved. I mean, think about this in the context of a personnel decision. I need to have that difficult conversation with my pharmacy technician who's come in late three out of the last four days. I don't want to do that. I don't like that space. So I could reframe it in a way and avoid it. But the issue hasn't been resolved and it tends to not go away. I mean, think about our own issues. If some broccoli in my teeth, but I, I don't, the broccoli's not there. I'm going to move on. It's still there. And so this is where sevens have to lean into some tough stuff and it won't feel necessarily fun or exciting or energizing. But if they don't, they do so to their detriment. I mean, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. Um, what if the, if, you know, the fast pace? I mean, I also think about that as a superpower, is really just getting things done and going forward and that futuristic. But I also think being so fast-paced sometimes, that can lead to superficial solutions. You know, you didn't, it's like five who like did all the research and couldn't make the decision because there was too much. Making the decision before there was really enough information there um, and it having some consequences. Let me give you another application because that's a great example, Katie. The fast pace, I never slow down. I never rest. And what does that lead to? Burnout. And, and this can be even doing things I enjoy, but because there's the, there could be the FOMO going on, I want to do that. That would be great. And this carries personal and or professional. And because I am energized and I love going at that fast pace, it's the equivalent of driving 80 miles nonstop in your car day and night. Well, how's that working for you? Because even those of us that may have lots of that energy, we all have to rest. We have to slow down. We have to get into those lower gears. This can be very hard for a seven. And, and I, I want to make a distinction here. A crash is not the same thing. And what did I mean by that? I know some sevens and they are full of life and energy. 
they go, go, go until they crash, meaning then they're out of commission for a day, two, three days. When I say out of commission, I mean literally like I'm on the couch and I can't move. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking an intentional slowing down to not only recharge, to potentially connect relationally to a deeper level, but, but just in, in the day-to-day, can I, can I do some things at 15 miles an hour? Because there are some things actually that do work well at that speed. For a seven, that can feel very, very difficult. Katie, any other thoughts about the seven? No, I mean, other than, you know, just wanting to clarify that when we're talking about the superpowers, we're really just encouraging listeners to look at these positive aspects in a different lens. And, you know, not necessarily because I feel like when we started talking about liabilities, I got a little bit into the like, oh, well, the seven's this way and the five is that way. And that's really not what it's about. The liabilities from those superpowers, it's just looking, it's like that's looking inward, that self-evaluation of being able to say, to recognize when a superpower has started to become a liability. And to that point, we may not necessarily notice that ourselves. Again, the value of having others that we trust that we're willing to receive not only the high support, which we all need, but the high challenge. Because maybe I'm unaware that I'm doing fill in the blank. And so the superpower has begun to edge into a liability or it's hindering the quality of care we're providing our patients. I may not be aware of that. And so this is, again, having these conversations so that we all have the freedom to be able to speak into one another. We're doing that because we're for one another and we're certainly for our patients that we serve. And so creating that healthy culture is important versus I use this as a weapon. Well, you're just X, Y, Z and you need to stop. Okay, are you for me or are you against me for yourself? The intent, the motive is different and it does matter. Good. Well, Katie, we've gone through all the nine types. Again, talking about the superpowers, the liabilities, and all types have them. And you're not just limited to that one one type, certainly. Just any kind of final thoughts about the, the Enneagram, the IEQ-9 in general. I know as we're wrapping up this trilogy, uh, the, the IEQ-9, I'm curious if any thoughts are swirling. I think swirling thought is, again, scratching the surface, looking more in depth at how this tool can be used both personally and for your team. And the encouragement to, if there's something in here that has piqued your interest, to do a little bit deeper dive. You might find that addressing um, some of the motivations or acknowledging some of the motivations in yourself or your team, it may take you to the next level and maybe something that takes your team to that next level. Yeah, I think that's tremendous insight. And one of the things you said earlier, Katie, has been swirling in my mind, and I appreciate how you're bringing the the one into this, even though we're talking about the the five, six, and seven today, is, is that you may see some similar behaviors in the workplace coming from different motivators. And, and the behavior matters, right? Professional behavior across the board. But having these conversations can help in that 
because as Katie gave the great example of the type one and the type five, that, that analysis paralysis or that perfectionism, or I don't know enough, it could look the same, but it comes from a different motivating place. And so we say all that because one of the dangers with any of these kind of assessments is the broad stroke. Well, you're this, or because you're this, I'm like this. And we want to be careful. This is giving us a little insight and it's not the full picture, but it can get to what are some of those things that motivate me? And we've talked about, there are a lot of really good things. And so this comes from those conversations. This comes from how can we each contribute? Because everyone gets to play, whether it's the workplace, in my community, in my family, versus, well, you're this number, so you do this. You can't do that. This is the last thing we ever want with, with any sort of assessment is to use it in a weaponized manner, meaning I'm against you, I'm for myself, you can only do X. That is not what this is about. But I know just from my own experience in using this assessment, which I found to be very humbling, it's also shown me, here's some wonderful things I bring each and every day. And all of us can say that at the end of the day. It's so true. Well, do we want to give our listeners a little preview of what's coming in the very, very near future? How can we not after you said that? Talk about a leading question, right? So uh, just, just one thing, we're going to have our first guest on our podcast coming up very, very soon. I won't say more than that, but it, um, it is going to be a fun conversation uh, this amazing leader, uh, care leader. And so that's coming and we'll see more and more guests over time. So uh, yeah, stay tuned for that because that will be a lot of fun. And I'm, I'm already, we talk about knowing yourself to lead yourself to lead others. I've already started a little self-examination. Okay. How do I actually let a guest speak? I will, I will keep you in check. See, you said don't travel alone. I got you. Well, and I think the buzzer that we uh, had installed in my seat here will probably help in that. Well, until that episode, Alan, be well, and I'll talk to you then. All right. Enjoyed it as always, Katie.